hiatus we had a little bit of scheduling conflict but we're back we're bad i'm as usual i'm with avi avi what's up how are you people so we've had uh an interesting few weeks in the world of professional wrestling uh it's october which means everything's gone down we're on fox aew dynamite's on the air so uh we're gonna get into the questions we have for uh the professor as i've christened him the professor, Avi Jaffe. Avi, you ready to rock? Before we start, I have to hit something that happened tonight on SmackDown. So, for the better part of what, I'd say about two years now, we've been clamoring for the day when Bailey turns heel. Tonight it apparently happened. I have to say, now I understand why they were so hesitant to do this. She literally sounded like a four-year-old kid having a hissy fit i mean did you see it um i saw her kill the bailey buddies and then i was driving and i saw her call the fans bitches or something like that and then said had her her stick it moment and said screw you it sounded so insincere so unnatural so unforced I mean, listen, I was never a fan of Bailey. I never thought her work was that great. Um, I'll say if the hell in the cell, we'll get to that later on. I, I, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of Sasha, but if I had to choose one, I'm going to go with Sasha at this point. But that that was... Taking the belt off Charlotte made no sense, number one. We can get to that later on. But number two, this heel turn was... Yeah, I get it now why they didn't do it. It it was It was abysmal. It was absolutely atrocious. Uh, it's insincere, like you said. It's This is the biggest problem with WWE Creative right now. And it kind of goes to what Moxley has been saying lately, is the you're scripts. And you're thinking a lot of staticky noise on your side. You hear me better now? Yeah, it sounded like you were rubbing right. against something. Well, seeing you, I was rubbing, but never mind that. <laughs> anyway... Hey, Moxley was saying this, scripts, the, there's too much scripts in WWE, and it's the biggest problem that they have because it's insincere. It comes off as reciting lines. You, you fans, know you you know fans are bitches. You fans can stick it. Screw you. I mean, it's just so insincere, man. 
But that goes back to, to NXT, and this is what I've been saying about NXT for the last couple of years, where you have this company, NXT, which gives you a gimmick. They give you a name. They literally give you everything. Where it used to be in wrestling was you got into the indie scene, you came up with your own gimmick, or maybe a wrestling school gave it to you, whatever, whatever the case may be, and you kind of came up with your own shtick and went on it from there. And NXT literally takes you and goes, here's your name, here's your gimmick, have fun. Oh, and by the way, here's your script. And it's just, you know, we got a bunch of robots. And, you know, it gets to the point where it's like, okay, you've had someone out in NXT for one, two, three years. They built up this gimmick. They come to the main roster. They're going to get the same treatment, if not more. Like, you look at Velveteen Dream, for instance. There's nothing natural about that gimmick. That's a guy who's basically been given his gimmick, spoon-fed his gimmick, and literally, if he ever got released by WWE, would be able to do nothing else in the business. Because that's what he's known for. He's known for that gimmick. He would be lost. I, I can't remember his re- his real name, but... Uh, Patrick could, or something like that. Yeah, Pat- Patrick Clark. Thank you. He couldn't... If he went on the indie... If he went to Impact and came out as Patrick Clark, dressed normal, people would be like, who? But that's the thing. Like, you look at Dean Ambrose, for instance... Never a huge Dean Ambrose fan. I don't mind him as Moxley. Honestly, he doesn't bother me in the least bit anymore. I'm not going to say I'm a fan of his, but he definitely does not bother me like he used to. When Dean Ambrose would come on TV, I'd be like, all right, next, please. But honestly, he shows up on TV, and I'm fine with it. I'll watch his matches with no problem. I'm glad he didn't come out in jeans. I'm glad he came out in that New Japan wrestling gear this past Wednesday. Yes, looked much better. You know, we'll get to AEW in a little bit. Both of us, obviously, have been very, very impressed with AEW so far. So let's get to the questions and start going from there. All right, first thing is first. Let's 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 get it out. Let's get in front of it. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Hell in a Cell, the main oh. event, oh. Bray, Wy- Bray Wyatt and and Seth Rollins. Oh. Um, as everyone knows, if you've been on reading the dirt sites and everything, this was a Vince McMahon call to do this this no contest, the referee stoppage because of the welfare for Bray Wyatt. Yet Bray Wyatt pulled his Undertaker gimmick, sat up, Mandible Claw, blah, blah, blah. My question I have here for you, number one, how would you have booked that? First off, I would have booked it not even having the match. Um, I don't know if you remember me saying this early in the week. On Monday, I know I was saying this in my chat groups, I would have had, given, given Rusev a Tommy Rich run. I would have put the belt on Rusev for a week. This way you could have Bray Wyatt and Seth Rollins still do Hell in a Cell. Bray could win and destroy Seth. And then Seth could win the title back. And then you could keep going forward. And it gives Rusev a rub. But now by going to this Hell in a Cell match, you they, WWE literally backed themselves in a corner they could not get out of. I, so I think you're shooting for the moon on this one. First of all, there shouldn't be a pay-per-view about Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell is a blow-off match that should happen periodically when getting rid of a feud. It shouldn't be there as a pay-per-view, number one. Number two, you don't start a feud in a blow-off match. Where do you go from there? The formula has always been, you start in a regular match, whatever happens, happens. Then you go to a different stipulation match, whatever happens, happens. Then you go to another stipulation match, whatever happens, happens. Then usually your, your fourth, fifth match is your blow-off match. 
last man standing, ladder match, Hell in a Cell, whatever it might be. I've never seen a feud start in a Hell in a Cell. Well, this wait. match never should have happened, period, the end. If you wanted these two to go at it, I would have no problem with that. You just do a regular schmoz and kick off your feud. To put them in a Hell in a Cell made no sense. First of all, you weren't going to sell extra tickets putting those two in a Hell in a Cell because nobody was buying it. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to see it. At this point, Bray Wyatt's in a place that very few guys have ever gone to where you just want to see this guy get in the ring and destroy whatever is put in front of him. It doesn't matter who you put in front of him. He's in that place right now. Very few guys have achieved this. I really can't even think of one, to be honest with you. He might be an anomaly at this point where he's not a heel. He's not a face. He's getting the face pop. He's do he's acting like a straight up heel, obviously, but it doesn't matter who you throw in front of this guy. He's going to get cheered to death. And that was the first time I can honestly remember watching a wrestling match where the referee was actually being booed. They weren't booing Rollins. They were booing the referee because they knew the re- they had a feeling the referee was going to count this guy out. And the last thing anybody wants to see is Bray Wyatt losing right now. First of he loses and you kill the character before it even gets started. This character has so much potential. I'm at the point now where I have to think the majority of fans, I don't think we want to see the belt on Bray Wyatt so much as we want to just see him destroy people. I think that you have a character that everybody is so into for the first time, probably, I got to say, since Cena first came on, maybe. I mean, I can't think of anybody else that's gotten this hot on this level where they're a straight heel, obviously. But it doesn't matter what you do to this guy. He's going to get cheered regardless. And if you, God forbid, give this guy a loss, you're going to see a riot in that arena. I love the fact, speaking of the Bray Wyatt gimmick, is that all his all his promos are done in the Firefly Funhouse. He doesn't do them in front of the crowd. I mean, I think some of them are live, like backstage, but I love the fact that it's it's that side of Bray Wyatt, the Mr. Rogers side, and then the Fiend is the one who takes care of business. But I want to go to the question I have for you. If you had this match, you, Vince McMahon comes to you, Avi, I booked this match. I can't unbook it. It's tomorrow night. How do I get out of it? What would you have bo- How would you have ended the match? How would you have booked the Hell in the Cell match this past Sunday? Uh, the only thing I can think of, honestly, is I'd have to go old school taker type style where maybe they have a match, you know, Rollins is destroying Bray, some sort of a run in maybe from somebody, and then Bray drags him to hell and the smoke comes out of the ring, something to that effect. There was no way out of that match clean. There was really nothing you could do. Putting the belt on Rusev, I think, actually would have pissed off the fans, to be honest with you, because I think the fans don't want to see a, a hot, you know, a hot potato title change anytime soon. I think they're okay with Rollins as champion holding on to the belt. Just nobody's okay with with Bray losing. There was just there was no way you could have booked this thing correctly. It, it was such a mess from the get go. And I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to go on record. I'll say this right now about that Hell in a Cell pay per view. That was the worst main event in the history of professional wrestling on pay-per-view. Forget Raws and Nitros and SmackDowns and ACW and AWA and whatnot. If you look at any federation, major federation, that's ever had a pay-per-view in the United States, 
We're talking WWE, WWF, NWA, WCW, AWA, uh, ECW, TNA, Impact. Those are your federations that have thrown major pay-per-views in this country. I have never seen a worse main event than that. Between the booking, the build-up, that fucking red light. You're going to tell me there wasn't one person backstage that said to Vince, hey, listen, this looks like shit as it is with the red ring, or the red cage, rather. Let's get rid of this red light. I mean, they did it with Sin Cara, and it was stupid. People forget, they did that with Kane, if you remember. Exactly. I was going to say, they did. I think Sin Cara had a gold light, but the red they, light they was Kane. Kane. They had a red light with Kane, if you remember. I think the last time they ran it was when he beat up Vader. I think that was at In Your House DX back in, like, 97. And they never did it again, thank God, because honestly, it looked so stupid. Right, Whoever they did it twice. Red light over a red cage is a fucking moron. But honestly, this was one of those things that, A, it never should have been booked. B, the fans knew it, should have been, it shouldn't have been booked. We just want to see Bray Wyatt. We don't want to see him with a belt. We don't want to see him in championship matches. I literally just want to see this guy absolutely destroy someone. The only thing I could think of that came close to Bray Wyatt the way he is now really is Taker when he first came on the scene. He's got a lot of that Taker aura. He's getting a lot of that Taker. You know, people forget when Taker beat Hogan at Survivor Series uh, 91, uh, Taker got a pop from that. Mm-hmm. You can watch that match. That crowd was going crazy. I wouldn't say, well, I wouldn't say crazy, but the crowd definitely, you got a pop on that one. Bray right now is literally the only guy on this roster getting a reaction. And I'll be honest, he probably gets the biggest reaction right now in wrestling, in North America at least. You know, he's in that place right now, like I said. Very few guys have gone there, but it, it's I can only guys I can think of that have ever gone to that place. Taker, when he first popped on the scene. I would say Rock, when he was going to his, uh, finding his persona right before Survivor Series 98. I would say Austin after WrestleMania 13. Those were guys who were basically heels, but getting the shit cheered out of them no matter what they did. Now, back to Hell in a Cell, I'm going to say this. I will go on the record right now and say this. The match with Bacha and Becky, I'm going to say it right now, is probably the best women's wrestling match in the history of the company. I don't think any women's match has ever come close to that match. Both of them were phenomenal. No botches. They pulled some serious spots that looked really good. One in particular that sticks out is when uh, is when uh, Sasha is sitting on a chair that was stacked up on the kendo yep. sticks, and Becky comes over. That was an awesome spot. Yep, the drop kick in the corner, on the, sitting on the chairs. A guy's going to wind up breaking those sticks. So the fact that, you know, Sasha weighs 115 pounds definitely helped. But honestly, I thought that match was great. That was a well-done match. It was sold well by both of them. Um, I definitely found a new respect for Sasha after that match. And I think a lot of fans did also. I think had she won that match, a lot of fans would have been fine with that. I'm going to say right now, I'm going to go on record. People can disagree with me. People can attack me for this. That is the best women's wrestling match in company history. I'm saying it right now. Yeah, I, I, would, I would find it hard to argue that with you. Um, the women's evolution has uh, taken a very downward turn in the last, I'd say, 18 months from how hot it used to be. And, you know, you had Ronda, and she was still green, and she, she really brought eyes outside the company. Yeah, but she was green. She made mistakes. So when she had that whole run, I don't think there was any really great women's matches. And, you know, Becky was gaining steam. She lost her steam. And, but that match, I, I, would, I would put that on par as, like you said, the greatest 
women's match. What's the clicking? Had. I'm hearing clicking. What are oh. you playing? Something? Yeah, I got a pen. Sorry. <laughs> I make. I'm taking notes while we're talking, so we can add to stuff. Right, guys, <laughs> stop the clicking. <laughs> All right. Next question. We're gonna move to the Wednesday night war, the hot topic that's been for the last two weeks. The Wednesday night war, AEW versus NXT. I'm gonna start with AEW. Do you? I know it's only two weeks in. But if they keep going with these marquee major matches, do you think they're going to have burnout for their pay-per-views where things won't be as special? No, no, I don't think so. I think you're at a point now in wrestling where, honestly, your your weekly shows are better than the pay-per-views anyway. You know, I think the one adage you're getting with the pay-per-view over um, your weekly show is lack of commercials. But otherwise, I mean, you're going to get... Wrestling's been this way now, if you think about it. Really, since the Monday Night Wars, you know, the Monday War, Night Wars changed everything. You know, once Nitro came on, and they were giving you, you know, Hogan Luger, Hogan Sting, and whatnot, and then, you know, on Roy, we getting those matches at the same time, and then really when the war really heated up in '98, I mean, pay per views definitely got watered down at that point. But the simple fact you were getting pay per view caliber matches every week. Um, I think it's the good thing for business. I mean, this coming Wednesday looks phenomenal to me. I mean, AEW is putting on, on paper, my God, what a show that is. I'm, we're going to go through that because I'm, that's going to be a, Wednesday's going to be fun for me. Um, I, this is another thing I, I kind of have an issue with. I feel like they're starting to give themselves boxed-in booking. And let me explain before you can respond. They're using these records, right? 1-0, 2-0, whatever it might be for the wrestlers. But what if someone who doesn't have a great record comes on, gets hot with the fans, and you got to switch up your booking. How are you going to explain, you know, why this guy who won maybe two matches his entire run is all of a sudden, you know, so hot that he's getting a title match? It's kind of like the Darby Allen, the Darby Allen, and uh, and what's his name? They didn't even do anything to earn these title matches. I mean, they had one match, but both of them have losing records. So if you're going to hold on to the losing, re- go by the records, then don't you think? Someone who was, I mean, I, I kind of got to agree with Pac was saying on Wednesday. How is he overlooked to get a title match? Dude, you have a guy who's never had a wrestling match getting a title match in a couple of weeks in Saudi Arabia. I mean, well, it, it's, it's, it's wrestling. It's always been like that, you know? We're gonna, we really want to start comparing AEW and WWE? Come on. Let's <laughs> UFC. Guys go off the couch in UFC and go right, right in the yeah. title shots, you know? It's just... Guys in boxing, you know, hang on the couch for 18 months and they're getting title shots. It's just the way sports is now. You know, a lot of things, unfortunately, aren't earned the way they used to be. And, and you know, wrestling is also a big part of that. You know, it's just it's just something I kind of think we've kind of, you know, grown accustomed to. You know, how many guys in basketball and hockey are getting $20 million contracts right now and they're barely third-tier players? You know, it's just the evolution of sports. And I think wrestling is the same way with that. You know, I think... Really, I don't even think it came out of pro wrestling. I think it came out of UFC and MMA where guys, you know, who are 48 years old, who haven't fought in seven years, are getting title matches. What do you, you know, think? Evolution what, of combat sports, in a sense. And what do you think about them not establishing, like, solid rules? Because for two weeks in a row, we saw the referee kind of throw the rules out the window. Uh, we had the whole thing when Moxley attacked um, Omega the first during that six-man main event, didn't disqualify him. And then he did the same thing when the Moxley match this week when Tully got involved. There was no disqualification. So I think they need to establish whether they're going to have disqualifications or not so that there's no, you know, 
nothing missing from that situation. What do you think about that? That's old school wrestling. How many times have we seen, you know, matches where a guy taps the referee and gets disqualified in one match, but in another match, the guy throws the referee through a table and he's fine. You know, it's just, it's just like, it's wrestling. You know, there's really, there's no rhyme or reason to it. You know, there are matches where that DQ rule basically has to be there just to get the match to flow or the feud to flow. And there are other times you just want to kind of loosen up on it. Uh, it's just, you know, it's part of the, it's part of the, the, it's part of wrestling. It's been part of wrestling forever. You know, how many times have we seen a match where a referee gets tossed aside, guy hits a pin. Then how many times have we seen a match where a referee gets tossed aside and immediately it's disqualification? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You're right. It's, it's a matter. All right. So far, who's been, in your eyes, the breakout star of AEW? I got to go with, with, with Pac. You know, this guy was, was, was Mighty Mouse in WWE. And right now, you know, he's getting that great cow reaction. He's, he's, he had a good match. I love his finisher. I, I got to go with Pac to me. He's, he's really kind of, he's kind of cementing the notion that when guys leave WWE, and I think Moxie's doing the same thing, their, you know, their lack of constraints actually make them better. You know, like I said, you know, Mox was never a great, when he was Dean Ambrose, I literally had no interest in the guy. Like I said, not a fan of his now, but I got to say, his work doesn't bother me like it used to. Pac, when he was Neville, I never cared about that guy. I look forward to his matches now. Same, look at Juice Robinson in New Japan. He was a, he was a freaky, he was the guy who got people, new guys over in NXT, and I look at him now. He's one of the top guys in New Japan. Yeah. You know, so once you get those handcuffs off, you know, it, you see what these guys really are made of. And this call goes back to, you know, WWE's horrible creative and producing, overproducing. All right, so let's talk AEW versus NXT. I want to know biggest strengths, biggest weaknesses for both shows. AEW, I believe, has that 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 energy from the crowd. It just makes such a difference. The lighting, the well lit crowd, the energy from the crowd. It's like you switch from AEW to NXT, and the energy just you know it evaporates once you get to NXT. That that's the biggest thing I noticed first. In ring work wise, you know. The first NXT show that went head-to-head with AEW, I felt was a much better show than this week's show. I felt like this week's show was, you know, what was it, five, six matches, and every match really felt exactly the same. Um, The one thing that bothers me about NXT is the way they end their matches. You know, I feel like they almost put too much into their ending, where it's like they have this, you know, they have a good match, and everything goes smoothly with the match. And then all of a sudden they get to this mishmash ending where it's like one big move after another, after another, after another, not being sold. And then finally the guy sells it. So they're, rel- they're relying too much on the false finish. And yes. The, uh... yourself out over the match. Overall, listen, NXT is not putting on bad shows by any means. I just think comparing it to AEW is a little unfair. And I'll explain why. AEW is... is live in front of a, what, 9, 10, 11,000 seat arena, and they're fully energized, looking forward to it. NXT is in what, in front of what, seven, 800 people? Mm-hmm. You know, NXT's got to get on the road. I think the danger with NXT going on the road is I don't know if they can sell it every week the way AEW does. You know, we don't know the demographics of NXT. AEW, you know, they've gone to, they're going to, they're going to nothing but big cities, it seems like at first. Their first show was in D.C., 
Second show is in Boston. This third show is in Philly. Where are they going after that? I think West Virginia, which is going to be a smaller market. Right. So we'll see what happens. West Virginia has always been a very hot market as far as wrestling goes. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, that being said, I don't know if NXT can, you know, their last couple of takeovers, that crowd didn't, uh, wasn't too hot if you remember. There's going to be burnout with NXT too, because you're having pretty much basically what ECW used to have. It's the same people coming in week in and week in and week in. Eventually they're going to get burnt out. I mean, we're going into, I think their fourth or fifth week in a row now coming up. And slowly that crowd's getting quieter and quieter because they're getting burnt out because it's mostly the same people. And I noticed something else I've never actually seen in wrestling history before where they advertise the match happening two weeks. I've seen that for pay-per-views, obviously. I've never seen that for a weekly show where they actually advertise a match that's going to happen in two weeks. They used to do that when it was taped, like month, 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 because they knew it was going to happen. But I think that's, uh, that's a, I think they're getting a little worried with their numbers. I think that's what this is about. Yeah, I think the only thing that NXT can do that's going to make sense, to be quite honest with you, is that they may have to hit the road. I think their best bet, though, if they do hit the road, stick to those smaller college arenas. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the energy is so different. Um, the in-ring style, like I said, I think the AEW in-ring style is better. Although the NXT style is not bad. Listen, that match, the main event this week with Walter, that well, it wasn't a bad match. I mean, Walter's not a great worker by any means. But the matches, I haven't seen a bad match yet out of NXT or AEW. I just feel like the energy coming out of the crowd, the perception is that the, is that the matches on AEW are better, if that makes sense. Do you think a lot of that is still contributed to there's still that new car smell buzz going on? No, not at all. I just think the matches are better. I just, I just think, listen, look at that tag team match that opened up AEW this week with the Young Bucks and um, Private Party. Yeah, I, I mean, I knew that was going to be a good match. I didn't think it was going to be that. That that was a great match. I mean, I can't think of a bad match AEW's had so far. The only issue I have with AEW uh, is that they start out with that real high energy for like the first 35 minutes, and then it kind of dissipates for like 20, 25 minutes, and then it comes back up again for the for the main event, if you notice. It's the middle. So, yeah, they got that middle is like that lag. Yeah, they got to fix the middle. I would say maybe think about putting a, a title match in the middle here and there. Um, they definitely need a secondary belt. Uh, you know, they, they're going for the tag titles now. They have the world title. They definitely need some kind of a secondary belt, maybe a TV title, you know, typical half-hour time limit type deal and stuff like that. Um, I like the fact they're going old school, putting the uh, time limits before matches, kind of getting you to think, is this going to be a draw or whatnot? NXT wasn't bad, like I said. They didn't have any bad matches. Um, the women's match this week was okay. The main event was pretty good. The opening match was pretty good. I, I think the riddle call match that opened up the first show was a great match until they kind of schmazzed up the ending a little bit. But like I said, none of, if I had to rate both shows right now, I give AEW an A minus. Only reason I say A minus is that kind of lag in those twenty five minutes in the middle. I'll give B. I'll go B plus to NXT. You know, NXT is not putting on bad shows. I think if NXT was in front of a live crowd in a different city week to week, it might make a difference. I just think that the energy at full sale is just not there. It almost reminds me of the Disney tapings for WCW back in the day. 
Well, depending who you want to believe, it's either that the deal was put together so quickly that they couldn't book arenas, or just the fact that Triple H was so so enshrined in wanting to keep NXT to how NXT has been that he overlooked the fact of being in the same place week to week. It's one thing when you're taping a month to month and you got people there for the three hours, but to be there actually every single Wednesday, I mean, you're in the same place. It's You're going to get the same people and they're going to get burnt out. It, it, goes back to, it goes back to those old, you know, Disney tapings. I think their best bet, they don't have to go to big arenas, though. They can go to the smaller arenas. I think uh, Big Dave Meltzer was mentioning how they were looking at, at the beginning of the year to looking at like 5,000-seat arenas, which is a smart move. You don't want to go to those 10, 15,000-seat arenas because you're just going to have a lot of space. I think that's a brilliant move. As a matter of fact, you know, I think both companies look into it for all their shows, those five to 8,000-seat arenas. You know, wrestling right now, it's, it's, it's weird because you're, you're at a point now where you have Raw on Monday. You're about to have Impact on Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday, you have the Wednesday Night War at both companies. Thursday, you're about to have NWA, I believe. Friday, you have SmackDown. Saturday's MLW New Japan, and Sunday's up here. So you have more wrestling on now than ever before. But if you think about it, you have the least amount of viewership you've seen since, like, probably the early 90s. Now, actually, not even. Because, honestly, I was looking at old Saturday Night Main Event ratings. Back in, like, 91, they were still pulling 10s at 1130 at night. So this is probably the lowest ratings TV-wise that wrestling's ever seen. But it, it's it's amazing that it's getting this much, uh, you know, uh, television time. Is there wrestling burnout right now? Is there too much out there? Um, I don't know if there's too much out there. I just think the issue is, is that WWE just didn't make any new fans over the last, you know, 15, 16 years, basically. You know, I think you have a big conglomerate. I think you have this weird schmaz of fans that are left over. I think you have guys our age that have just been watching forever. I think you have people that are still around, that stuck around, that came in during Attitude. The same way we came in during the Golden Era and stuck around. And now you kind of have, I mean, I I, I hear a lot of fans. I read with a lot of fans, right? A lot of them started watching, you know, 2012, 2013, give or take. So you really have a lot of newer fans, but they kind of just replaced fans that stopped watching. You know, but that being said, you know, Wednesday night is not a hot night for any TV shows, but you're still pulling over 2 million people that are watching both shows right now. You know, so they're doing something right. Your top rated show right now on television is This Is Us, and they're pulling 3.9 million viewers, okay? Your top rated show on television 20 years ago was probably either ER or Seinfeld, and they were averaging, what, 30 million people a week? Right. That's a big difference. <laughs> TV, TV, and plus, you got to remember, TV itself is totally different. Most people watch on demand. My, most people, a lot of people are cutting the cord. So you're not getting the same kind of ratings as you might have normally gotten five, ten years ago. It's a totally different animal out there. So, right. you know, so, so, to, so to basically, you know, it's hard to gauge how popular wrestling really is now. I mean, you can look at it from this point of view. WrestleMania just had, what, 85,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, Royal Rumble at that stadium in Arizona pulled, what, 40,000 people? Something like that, yeah. All right. You you, you know, for the most part, SmackDown and Raw and AEW sold out big arenas. You know, uh, 
I think MLW just pulled like five thousand people in some dinky little arena somewhere in San in San Di- in San Diego, and they actually outdrew a WWE house show also in San Diego the same weekend. You know, so I mean, you got to look at it in the sense where you know it's hard to gauge how popular wrestling is now. You know, it's different in a sense. You're not seeing the old. I remember, you know, back in '98, everywhere, everywhere you looked, there was an NWO shirt, an Austin shirt, or a DX shirt. You know. Y- there's nobody that marketable where you're seeing shirts all over the place. Not to say Bray White not may not become that guy, especially being on SmackDown now. But you know, it remains to be seen. It's hard to gauge, like I said, how popular it is. You would think it's popular given the fact that Sports Illustrated, ESPN, and Fox cover it as much as they do. You would think it's popular given the fact that it's on you know national television one two three times a week if you think about it between usa tnt and channel you know in fox mm-hmm. it's just like i said it's hard to gauge because tv is just so different these days but if you want to go by arenas yeah wrestling's as popular as it's ever been you know aw's put both what twelve, thirteen thousand at their uh last tv show something like that yeah you know uh smackdown just pulled what twelve, thirteen thousand. also raw pulled twelve, thirteen thousand. Do simple math. That means 36,000 people this week went to arenas to watch wrestling. That's a lot of people going to watch wrestling in one week in an arena. And I think, what, last Wednesday combined was like 2.4 million people watched between NXT and uh, AEW. This week was a little less, but you also had, you know, two major playoff games. And, right. you know, you so that's, you look at it like this. If your most popular show on television is pulling 3.9 and wrestling as a whole is pulling over 2, Wrestling is not that pop culture phenomenon it was back in the 80s and 90s. So if you're getting half the viewership of TV at that point, you're doing something right. Yep. Some people out there, no names, need to realize that this isn't 2010, this isn't 2000. Things are different out there. Because they, they, some people think that AEW is failing because they lost 30, uh, 300,000 viewers. Not well, taking into account anything else. You had a game five between Los Angeles and D.C. You're talking the second biggest market in America and, like, the sixth biggest TV market. That's going to cost you some fans over there. Um, I know the Yankees are playing Saturday, Sunday, and then they're playing again Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So Wednesday, you're definitely going to get a hit for both shows. Just the simple fact the Yankees are playing. It's a New York audience. You're going to – I can guarantee right now you're losing a half million viewers for both shows probably. Mm-hmm. Just for the simple fact the Yankees are playing on Wednesday. Um, and I want to interrupt you, Warner, Warner Brothers, whatever you want to call them, they were very smart this week not to screw up AEW by simulcasting on True TV in case that playoff game did go long. That was so smart not to preempt a show on its second week. No, they did well with that. Listen, right now I have to say AEW, you, you can't call it anything else but a success at this point. Okay, they, they've never had a show in the history of wrestling with no fan base, starting from scratch, pull that many viewers. People forget, when WCW started back in 95, and they got a 2.2, 2.3, whatever it was, they had a fan base of over 20 years. Remember, WCW slash NWA was on TBS from 1973 on. So you're talking for 22 years, you had WCW Saturday night, you had WCW main event, you had the Power Hour on Friday nights. You're talking 22 years of a fan base being built up. That's a lot of years to build up a fan base. 
AEW's Impact. been around for nine months. <laughs> Impact, when Impact got on TV, what were they around for? Eight years at that point? Well, Spike TV? Yeah, they were around for eight years, jumping around, but yep. Okay, so, and that's going to be interesting when Impact shows up on Access. Impact, yep. as a fan base, I'm going to watch it. Uh, I'm a big fan of Brian Cage. I like what they're doing up there in, you know, in Impact right now. Unfortunately, the channel that they're on now is just God knows where, but uh, once they start their weekly show on Access, when's that going to start, by the way? Um, it starts the Tuesday after Bound for Glory, which I believe is either the end of October or very beginning. It might be the very first Sunday, uh, uh, Saturday or Sunday of November. So the Tuesday after that. What I like what Impact is doing is they're showing old pay-per-views every week on Tuesday during their time slot. Mm -hmm. When I understand it's going to be an 8, 10 o'clock slot, two hours. Yes. Are they going to be live? We don't even know yet. Uh, no, I, as far as I've read on the sheet, on the sites, they're going to just be doing the same taping as they're doing right now, but they have the advantage now that they basically have their own network. They know they're stable now for the first time since maybe spike TV, they are stable and have a stable home for their television show. And that's huge for them. Yeah. I gotta be honest. I'm excited about impact because honestly, Listen, this company has been around now for 2000, since 2002. So this company, by hook or by crook, has been surviving for 17 years. Yep. I mean, if you think about it, it's one of the greatest success stories, you know, in the history of professional wrestling in this country. You're talking about a company that's been around for 17 years, you know, got bounced off of Fox onto Spike, got bounced off of Spike, winds up on, like, Pop, gets bounced off of that, winds up on some absurd station, God knows where, I couldn't even find it now if I tried to, and now they're getting a, a, a TV deal every Tuesday night on Axis. They're a feel-good story, if you, if you ask me. Their problem, I won't say their problem, but their issue is that they are not built enough to go arena, arena, to go live. They can't do it. They need to go to these nightclub-type places. Like, I know they're going back to Long Island City to rec- to tape, for TV tapings again in that little, uh, what's that little place they recorded? They yeah, talking about, but honestly, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I'm fine. Listen, I have no problem with what impact is doing. They put on good matches. They put on good shows. Um, you know, they're very similar to NXT in a lot of ways. If you think about it, I, I, they probably have more in common with NXT than anybody else. Yeah. If I put ML, I think MLW and impact honestly have more in common with NXT than they really do with AW or anything like that. I don't think Impact gets the credit it deserves because of the TV situation, but if you actually watch those shows, they're good shows. Sammy Callahan is the best heel they have right now. He is awesome. I think he's a great heel. I'll tell you what, though, and, and this really occurred to me. I think where where Impact messed, messed up when they first started, really, was they really tried to be WCW 2.0, where basically whatever WWE didn't want, once the war was over... We're going to sign them. We're going to make it work. And at that point, I think people were kind of over the war. I think once WCW went down, it was kind of like, all right, let's watch WWE. You know, we'll deal with this. And I don't think anybody really cared for or wanted a WCW 2.0. I think had they just done their own thing like they're doing right now, they'd be much bigger than they are right now. I think by doing their own thing and not trying to be anybody else 2.0, you know, they've almost learned the lessons of WCW's failures, where AEW has also learned those lessons, 
you know, where, you know, it was just Impact didn't learn. You know, Impact was like, okay, everyone's clamoring for WCW to come back. So let's just grab all the OWCW guys, all the OWE rejects, put them in a giant federation together, and let's make it work. And that just doesn't work. You know, what What Impact has finally done over the last couple of years is they've really built up their own roster. With your Sam Callahan's and your Brian Cage's and, you know, Eddie Edwards and guys like that. Whereas they didn't do that before. They built up their own roster to be WW 2.0 because they really thought people so clamored for that. And nobody really wanted it anymore. Once WSW went down, it was like, all right, WSW is gone. You know, a re- reboots, as we know, don't always work. Right. What's your view on Tessa Blanchard and all her intergender wrestling she's doing? I love it. I think she's awesome. I really do. I, I hope she winds up in AW somehow because I think she would have such a great time in AW. Well, it looks like she's going to win the X Division title, honestly, because she's in that uh, she's in that Ultimate X match at uh, Bound for Glory, so that's going to be interesting. And you know, she has an in with AEW. Her dad's working there. But, that's oh yeah. But as far as AEW and Impact, I like the fact that they're doing the opposite of what Impact did when they first started. When they were NWA TNA, Jarrett pulled a Jarrett, took the title as the and it was Booker and made a lot of mistakes and i like the fact that the young bucks have literally said they did not they haven't wanted to win a single match since aew started tony khan kind of overwent them and had them win a couple matches but the fact that they put over private party was the smartest booking move they can do i was shocked by the way i think that was an awesome thing because i think as as big of a buzz as they got in a fan base they got right now if they would have gone over private party i think some people would have shit on them yeah i think the i think the bucks have a little more leeway than cody does cody is the more vocal owner so to speak um or producer or you know executive rather i and you know what it just <sighs> the bucks have always had great matches i think people genuinely like the bucks i think cody he, i don't think he's ever been that over to be honest with you you know, I think he has his fans. I think people do like him. I just don't think he's ever been that over. The Bucks have really just been over for a while now. And the same goes for Omega. I just never saw Cody as being that over. You know what I'm saying? Cody right now is more over for the fact that he is the pretty much the face of AEW on the corporate side than I think it's so much for his in-ring stuff. I think that was part of the reason he got such a huge pop that first week. Not because of his in-ring stuff, but because he's the face of AEW. And he's getting more face time with, like, interviews and things like that. While Omega and the Bucks are kind of in the back. But I like the fact that the Bucks are also showing that they're more than just spot fest. They're not just high-flying spots. There have been more psychology for their matches in the last few weeks than they have in a while. And I like that. They're showing that they're more three-dimensional than they have been. Yeah, I would agree with that. I want to switch gears over to, okay, this past week, uh, the NWA showed their first TV show, NWA Power, with three R's. Uh, It's a YouTube exclusive on their channel. It's going to be every Tuesday. Um, I did not watch the whole thing, but there was a lot of, there was an old-school NWA feel to it. Uh, there was promos cut on a podium with someone with a microphone. They had a couple of squash matches, and then they had like a main event match. 
So my question is, do you think they have NWA has a chance to come rise from the ashes like a phoenix? This is where I laugh. NWA, in its purest form, became WCW. It ceased to exist as a true entity. So the throwback, yeah, it's cute. Yeah, it's nice. For guys that are like 10 years older than us, it'll be something fun to watch. But honestly, there's a reason that it went out of style. Wrestling evolved. It went from those... Listen, it was cool to watch them back in a TV studio. I think it was, you know, kind of cute. And it brought back some of those cooler memories of the old Mid-Atlantic days and stuff like that. But wrestling evolved. The NWA became WCW. Wrestling is meant to be in arenas now. It's not meant to be in those TV studios. You know, so... It was cool to watch from a nostalgic point of view. I just don't think that's a good idea for the long run. I think for the weekly show, maybe it works. But if you're going for a pay-per-view, I would suggest going to a decent-sized arena at the very least. So you think they'll just find their own little small niche and that'll be it, but they won't really, you know, rise any further than that small little YouTube niche, basically? Yeah, I think they're fine. I think they'll find their niche. I think, you know, the older generation maybe who grew up with the nwa may have an appreciation for that you know honestly even our generation i don't think it's really going to care for it that much because we kind of came out of the tv studio into the arenas i'll watch it obviously i'm an old nwa fan but you know the, the nwa it died in 1988 you know it just it became wcw you know the nwa for for all intents and purposes realistically was a combination of Mid-Atlantic Wrestling and Georgia National Championship Wrestling and a couple of other smaller federations. It was Jim Crockett Promotions, you know, and it became WCW. You know, there really wasn't an NWA per se. Mm -hmm. So I get what they're trying to do. I like it for nostalgic reasons. I'll watch it every now and then. And I think they'll find their niche, but they're definitely not going to get to that that mainstream buzz the way AW, WWE, MLW, or Impact have it. Hey, I will tell you this. I did I did get a little bit of a pop, an old school pop, when I found out the Rock and Roll Express won the tag titles. Uh, let's think of it. In 2019, the Rock and Roll Express had won the NWA tag team titles, and a week before that, they teamed with Tanahashi for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yes. Yeah, those guys, <laughs> guys got to be in their 60s right now. They're still going strong. I believe Ricky Morton is 62. So yeah. just... <laughs> Um, okay. Now we know that AEW is brand new. The, the first show was going to get a high number. Where do you see them when it all settles down on a weekly viewership? Like once, once baseball season's done, once, you know, they, everything settles down. Where do you see their viewership week to week being ballpark? Depends. If wrestling hits another boom, you could easily get to that two, three million part. If wrestling stays status quo, I think they're going to level off at one and a half million somewhere around there. You know, they might hit two million occasionally if NXT is just boring the shit out of people. I don't see NXT dropping down significantly. I still think it has enough interest that people are going to watch it. Like I said, I watched this week. It's not a bad show. It's just the old dog in town, basically. You know, it's, it's just if they start touring, you may get more viewership just based on the energy. But AEW knows the new kid in town. They're kind of giving the fans what they really want to see to a degree. I just think it depends how hot the product gets. I think if wrestling hits, I wouldn't even call it a boom. I don't see that happening. But if they hit, you know, 
a semi-boom. Maybe that's a safe thing to say. I could see it hitting the three million mark, you know, around there, at least maybe two and a half million. I think, like I said, if it stays status quo, I think a million and a half is definitely doable. All right, and how about this one? Do you think that there's too much replays of both shows and it hurts the numbers? And um, like 24 hours after NXT is on, it's available on the network. Go watch it on demand. There's an immediate uh, replay of AEW for the West Coast. And then between TBS, TNT, and True TV, there's at least five replays over the weekend. It To me, that takes away from the fact of it being destination TV. The fact that it, if you miss it, oh, well, I'll be able to just watch it later on. I'll watch it tomorrow over the weekend. But Do you that, think that hurt? That's TV. That's TV now. When was the last time you turned on the TV and actually watched the show? Everything is DVR yeah. these days. Everyone DVRs. People don't want to sit through commercials. Everyone records things. Everybody, everybody's going on demand. I mean, listen, NFL games are watched more now in NFL Red Zone replays than they are doing live. You know, TV's evolved. Everything's changed. It's a whole different world. You know, back during the war, you know, unless you had a VCR ready to go, you know, you had to watch Raw. You were getting the uh, replay of Nitro. But unless your VCR is ready to rumble, you kind of had to watch it when it was on. You know, now watch whatever you want. All right, my last question, and this is this one I really thought about because I found it like in my head, it was interesting. Do you think Vince McMahon is really worried about AEW when it comes to like Raw and SmackDown, or do you think it's more of Triple H having his eyes on them than so much Vince, seeing that AEW's on those Wednesdays they don't really interact with the Raw and SmackDown ratings per se. So you think Vince is more concerned with his bookends of the week and it's more Triple H keeping an eye on what AEW is doing? Between Raw, SmackDown, and the XFL, I don't think Vince knows what day of the week is most of the time. I don't think he's known for about 20 years, but that's besides the point. Yeah, I don't think he really cares about AEW. I think it's more Triple H and and, and maybe uh, Paul Heyman getting in his ear about it and possibly Eric Bischoff. I I just don't see him paying much attention. Listen... It took him a good year and a half to almost two years to wake up at WCW what they were doing. You know, which is funny about Vince because Vince went after the NWA. He went after the AWA. And, you know, then all of a sudden he's sitting there as a lying dog when it came to WCW. Um, I, I don't think he has the time to even pay attention to AEW. I think it's Triple H, Paul Heyman, Eric Bischoff, guys like that that are going to pay attention to AEW more than anything else. I mean, um... I think, I mean, I was guilty of this, I'll admit it, but I think the people who think that AEW is going to change the the way the culture of Raw and SmackDown are done, similar to how the Attitude Era was born with WCW, are sorely mistaken. I don't think there's any reason on those days for Vince to change the way he's doing things, because there's no one breathing down his neck like that. Um, I I don't think Vince needs to change the point. He's got a billion dollars from Fox. What are you changing he's, for? He's also got a exactly. He's also he's also got, got a he got million dollars from Saudi. Change for who? Change for what? Mm-hmm. He's got a huge war chest now. Back then, you know, he was close. To, he might be going out of business now. He doesn't have to worry. Let's talk about Saudi. They they had a big press conference today. Brock Lesnar against Kane Velasquez. 
And now uh, Tyson Fury, who I honestly didn't hear about, never heard of, didn't know who he was till last Friday against Braun Strowman. Obviously, the money's being thrown out for Saudi Arabia because that's where it's happening. What's your thoughts on it? Listen, these the Saudi Arabian shows, uh, I mean, they, they've ever been booked uh, to please us. Let's put it that way. It's, it, it's Vince making his $500 million and making the Saudi government happy. He brings over a show. He makes nice fireworks. He shows it on the network. And honestly, nothing really happens out of these shows. I mean, they're just they're glorified house shows, basically. All right, well, what about Cain Velasquez signing a multi-year deal with WWE? God. Um, why is this guy not in the gym? Let's let's. I'm I'm not trying to body shame you, Kane, but come on, man. You've been working for AAA for a couple of months. It's not like you just rolled out of bed and came to a SmackDown taping and decided you want to be a wrestler. You've been working in AAA for quite a bit now. What's going on? I understand you were never like a huge guy. You were never cut. I saw some of the footage ten years ago when you fought Brock. But come on. Like, like seriously, I look better. Come on. Yeah, seriously. I mean, hit fucking gym number one, number two. We have no idea what this guy's gonna be like in the ring. I mean, but here's the thing: I think Vince is gonna have to realize at some point nobody gives a shit. Like seriously, nobody cares. Okay, great. You beat Brock Lesnar in UFC ten years ago. Nobody gives a shit. Would you, know, you think Cordimer would have had a bigger reaction than Kane? I, I honestly, I don't think anybody from UFC is honestly going to get that big of a reaction in, in WWE. You know, wrestling fans, we're, we're a fickle bunch. You know, we cheer for celebrities, and then at some point we turn on them, if you notice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like we want our guys, we want our wrestlers, and anybody else will deal with you for a little bit, and then you got to go in your very little way. You know, I can't think of any celebrity or anybody outside of WWE that really lasted that long, if you think about it. Can you name anybody? I mean, let's be real. I think Ronda Rousey might be the longest run as a celebrity. And she was getting booed after a while. Listen, Mr. T got booed at WrestleMania 2 against Roddy Piper, who was the number one heel in the company. You know, wrestling fans, we like our wrestlers. Uh, you know, we you know celebrities will kind of deal with for a little bit, but you you kind of need to go away once you run your course. You know, have a couple of matches, have a couple of run-ins, do a couple of cute things, and then you need to go away. You know, Dennis Robin and Carmelo, they got booed eventually. Yeah. All right, we're gonna wrap this up, Avi. Give me the go to the week. Who was your MVP in wrestling this week? I gotta go, Chris Jericho. I'm gonna agree with you. I was gonna say Chris myself. Go ahead, tell me your reasons why. You know, he's just he constantly reinvents himself. He's got the nice little click he's got in. His matches look good. He definitely needs to hit the gym a little bit though, because he kind of looks like shit. But otherwise, you know, he he had a great match this week, a good showing. I kind of like the old school Nitro runners at the end of the last two weeks. That's kind of big, back a little nostalgic ending to uh to the show. I kind of like how they're doing that. But, you know, Jericho, once again, the guy's just been reinventing himself the last 20 years. That promo this past Wednesday, introducing the inner circle, that was some great stuff. Yeah, like I said, the guy yeah. for 20 years has done nothing but reinvent himself. And he's he, he's the biggest uh, booster for AEW, man. So um, I read a interview that 
uh, I almost said Ambrose, but Moxley had uh, from New York Comic Con. He said that the very first guy who he told he was leaving WWE was Chris Jericho. And Chris Jericho said, do you got any plans? And he goes, I don't know. He said five minutes later, Cody Rhodes called him. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, no pun intended, but it's really cool to see that Jericho is all in with AEW and not just phoning it in at 48, 49 years old. And, you know, he's, he's there. He's there. We're going to be hopefully be there every week as long as he's champion. So I'm going to give it to Chris Jericho as well. Who was the uh, who's the loser of the week? I'm going to have to go with WWE. And I'm going to tell you why. Sunday night. You gave us a half decent pay-per-view. A good pay-per-view, I'd say. With quite possibly the worst main event in the history of the business. And you did not even acknowledge it on Monday night. You literally ignored it like it didn't even fucking happen. You knew the fans were pissed off. Mm-hmm. You knew everybody was pissed off. What WWE could have done was acknowledge the fact of how much it sucked. I remember once ECW ran a pay-per-view. I believe it was uh, Heat Wave 97. It was their second pay-per-view. And the lighting sucked and the matches were kind of just blah. And I remember Paul Heyman ran a promo for that year's November to Remember, I believe it was, where he goes, Heat Wave 97. Yeah, it sucked. We're going to make up for it, though, November to Remember. That's what WWE honestly should have done on Raw. Just kind of made fun of it and said, listen, last night sucked. Tonight, we're giving you a main event and just giving us a good match. And I think at that point, all the fans would have said, you know what? You're not fucking with us. Because honestly, WWE really does fuck with their fans. I think Brian Alvarez put it best. You know, they literally tell you fuck you to your face every single week. They say, we're not going to give you any good matches. We're going to give you some subpar matches. We might throw a good one here every now and then, but it's not going to be a good one with guys you want to see. We're going to give you a main event, Hell in a Cell, Bray Wyatt, Seth Rollins. You don't want to see it too fucking bad. You're going to see it anyway. And guess what? You're going to tune in the next night on Raw, and you're going to tune in on Friday night to SmackDown, and you're going to tune in Wednesday night to NXT because we we know you're going to tune in. Where else are you going to go? And he's right because, you know, during the Hell in a Cell, there was trending uh, canceled WWE Network and all this stuff. And honestly, they went from, I believe it was $2.5 on the season premiere to 2.3. They only lost 200,000 people. That's Listen, normal for WWE Raw. How many so, times in the last 15 to 16 years have I said I am not watching WWE anymore? Every single damn day. <laughs> you know, it's at the point now where literally you ju- they gave us the worst fucking main event in the history of wrestling pay-per-views. Think about what they did. They took the guy who was beyond over in Bray Wyatt, put him up against the champion that pretty much everyone kind of accepts as the champion. Threw him in a red hell in the cell with a red light and just gave us a bullshit match. Let me just understand the logic behind this. Bray Wyatt takes out this gigantic fucking mallet and starts cracking Seth Rollins with it, who cracks him back with it. But when the regular size sledgehammer comes out, then we've had too much. Well, that's, it's a toy mallet. It's like Harley Quinn uses that. 
It doesn't kill Batman. It just right. knocks him down. <laughs> little sledgehammer. That's what we've gone too far. Not the big one, not the giant one that we've never seen before, but this little dinky one. Now we've gone too far. And then I love the fact that he just gets up. And then the fake blood. Come on. The fake blood from Seth Rollins. My favorite is the fact you're world champion as a finisher that people kick out of on a regular basis at this point. He's hitting his finisher five, six, seven times. And pe- Can you imagine Hulk Hogan hitting a leg drop seven times and somebody kicks out? Well, it kind of reminds me of when WrestleMania 7. Savage hits five elbows in the Warrior and the Warrior still kicked out. Oh, man. How Savage agreed to that till this day is beyond me. So, but you know, it's, it's, just, it, it's so bad. Like, the curb stomp is a cool move. But after the seventh time of hitting it and the guy knows selling it and getting kicking out at one, I have to say, I think Seth Rollins needs a new finisher. Well, he moved to the pedigree. He went he went back to, uh, you know, his Kingslayer part when he was uh, doing that. And that didn't take down the Fiend either. See, I, I th- say, actually, speaking of which, tonight's match on uh, on SmackDown really wasn't that bad. Roman and uh, Seth. Yeah. I like I, what they did with the Fiend, though. The ending was awesome. They did it different this time. They did old school Kane way. Through the ring, pulling him down, the smoke coming through the ring. Yeah, but I kind of like how like Bray was kind of looking over at the uh, afterwards also. That was kind of funny, actually. Just... Head out. That was funny. <laughs> I, I love this character. Yeah. And you know what's funny? His, his Funhouse stuff, that's kind of gotten a little bit old. But the Fiend, oh man, this guy is awesome. Okay, you know, I let's... think honestly at this point, if they got away from the Funhouse stuff just for a little bit, you know, maybe a couple of months, and just had the Fiend coming out attacking people, that would add to the character. I want to, you know, it's speaking of SmackDown. What's the point of this draft? It's so dumb. You got, you haven't had a split. You're basically putting people back on Raw that have been on Raw. And make it like it's some big change. And can the Fox the Fox Sports people look any more bored and out of place trying to put over WWE than they were doing during these things? What was with the fucking robot? That's that fuck. That's the that's the football what robot. The, I know who the fucking robot is. What about what about the uh, the the executives in the war room uh-huh. celebrating because they got Roman? Like, it's like, come on. I get you're trying to make it more realistic, but it's only so far you can go with, when it comes to wrestling. Everyone knows wrestling is a work. It, it, you can't, it's only so much you can do. Listen, it goes back to what I was saying. WWE, on a weekly basis, insults the fans, insults our intelligence, basically says, fuck you every week. I mean, let's, let's, let's look at the last... Give me your Google machine. I want you to pull out the last five pay-per-views in order. And let's just look at the main event that was was that was that given to us for all so five. So let's say we're going to start at WrestleMania then, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's so look, Let's look at all five main events that we've gotten over the last, say, five months. Right, well, we know WrestleMania was the triple threat women's match. Right. Enough said. Like, really? Uh, what were we on? 34? That was 34, right? No, it was 35. Wow. I got to see what even... I don't even know what comes. What came after that. Wow, they list the Shield's final chapter as the following pay-per-view. That's ridiculous. 
<laughs> you see what I'm saying now? Okay, Money in the Bank was the next official. And what was your main event there? Uh, I'm getting there, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Uh, it was the men's Money in the Bank match. when That was the whole thing where uh, Ali looked like he was going to win, and then Brock came out out of nowhere. Right. Garbage finish. Garbage finish. Next. Uh, getting there, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Then it, uh, then it was TakeOver 25, which had a good main event. But we can't, we're not counting NXT on this, so we'll skip this one. And then, uh, are we talking, we're going to count Super Showdown? Sure. Main event? <laughs> Goldberg Undertaker. Okay. Continue. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's why I asked if you wanted to count or not. Oh, and then there was the, the Fantastic Stomping Grounds. Main event? Uh, Seth Rollins defending the Universal title against Corbin with Lacey Evans as a special referee. Are you starting to see a trend now? And then I know the week, month after that was Extreme Rules, and that was that winner-take-all thing with Becky and Seth against uh, uh, Corbin and Lacey. And I know that I think, believe that's the one that ended with uh, Brock cashing in. All right. Are you starting to see a trend now? So, yeah. I mean, they, they literally just shit all over us every fucking month. Every month they give us a fucking shitty-ass pay-per-view. And it's funny because, have you noticed they rarely acknowledge pay-per-views? I, I remember, the, like, you know, during the Monday Night Wars, and even at probably up until probably, like, you know, the, the network came out, I'd say up until, like, you know, maybe 2009, 2010, if there was a pay-per-view, they would just, they, they would blow it up the next night on Raw. Pay-per-views aren't important anymore. Pay-per-view, one of the greatest matches I ever saw. That main event was off the... the, the now you barely hear an acknowledgement of the pay-per-view. It's like, okay, pay-per-view happened next. What do you? What about Hell in the Cell? They had four matches announced until an hour before the show. Yeah, I get that, but I'm talking after the show. That Monday yeah. Night Raw after a pay-per-view was always, you know, what a great night last night was. I couldn't believe this happened. They didn't even acknowledge the fucking main event. Well, it goes in what you were saying earlier tonight is the fact that, you know, Viewing has changed. Pay-per-view is not a priority anymore. That's not their moneymaker. TV is. So pay-per-views are actually an afterthought. I mean, pay-per-views, I think, are more just for them to keep subscriptions going for the network anymore than it is so much about, you know, making money. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, it, it's it's just their way of just, you know, shitting on the fans like they always do. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think WWE would be wise and be fine if they cut back to eight, eight pay-per-views a year instead of 13 or 14 or whatever it is they do. Fuck that. I say go back to the big four. So, I mean. Really special. I say you go back to the big four. I'd say big five. I always love King of the Ring. I think you go Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, King of the Ring, SummerSlam, Survivor Series. But I'll say this as well. I think, you know, SummerSlam is just a typical SummerSlam. I think for Survivor Series, it should be Raw versus uh, SmackDown. Five on five. Go old school. But I, I say you go five on five, but I think you still have to have your world title match. Do you still do what they've been doing and do, like, the champion versus champion type stuff? Or do you just do keep those separate and just have one single Raw versus SmackDown match? Five on five. No, my humble opinion, I think that neither show should have their own world title. I think it should be one world champion for both shows. 
I, I think your U.S. champion, IC champion, should be the main champions of those shows. Give them some credibility again, you know. But otherwise, you know, if it's if it's status quo, both of them get their own t- their own match. You go back to five on five. I think you should go back to the you know. And the way you set it up is you know Royal Rumble gets a shot at WrestleMania. I think the King of the Ring winner should get the shot at Survivor at SummerSlam. Survivor Series is Survivor Series, like I said. I think you have to go with your big five. And what do like? And then I guess have the two Saudi shows as like specials. Because you know they're not going to get rid of the Saudi shows. I mean, nobody gives a shit about the Saudi shows. I haven't watched one Saudi yeah. show yet. Well, you haven't. Good though. I'll tell you what they should do though. Is I think it'll be a great idea. Is once a month on a Saturday night, televise a house show. Mm-hmm. I knew you were going with that too because we've discussed that in the past many times. You know why not televise a yeah. house show? I think house shows are. Everybody likes a good house show. Uh, show just the lighting is different. Everything is different. It's just fun to watch. Yeah. Well, I will tell you this. I'm going to have a lot to say about AEW next week. Yeah. Because Wednesday night, I'm going to experience it. Yes, you are. You're going to AEW, and that's a damn good show to go to. What are the oh. matches? What's the rundown so far? Oh, okay. First off, you have two of the tag matches for the tournament. You got the Lucha Brothers against the Luchasaurus Express. That's going to be a sick. I love Luchasaurus. Uh, SCU. And they're going with the original members. They already announced on the first show it's going to be Daniels and Kazarian against right. against the best friends. And in the best friends, of course, will have your your favorite guy, Orange Cassidy, with them. Fucking Orange Cassidy. <laughs> you got Britt Baker against Rio for the women's title. Chris Jericho against Darby Allen for the world. <laughs> Sorry about that. I thought pop. Bray was. I thought Bray was here. Yeah, I get these weird pop ups every now and then. I thought the fiend was coming. Shit, uh, Darby Allen against Chris Jericho for the world title. That's gonna be a good match. I like Darby yeah. Allen. Yep. And they announced uh, that Pac is gonna team up with. Ah, crap. I forgot who he's teaming up with, but it's against Omega. Oh, Moxley, against Omega and uh, Hangman Page. That's a solid match right there. Also, that's a solid card. What is NXT going to do against that? There, uh, there's nothing. I think they went big on their for, on their first show to go head to head, and now they're just settling in and doing what they're going to do. And I honestly, I don't think they care that much about the ratings. I honestly really don't think they're making as big of a deal of it as the IWC does. I think if anything. They went on to take away a little bit of the ratings from AEW, to be honest with you. That way, AEW can't just make it their night the way Raw, you know, has Monday, the way SmackDown now has Friday. You know, they just basically did it where it's like, no, it's not going to be your night. You're going to share it. doesn't matter if you win or not. You're still sharing it. Yep. It's just a takeaway. They don't care if they take away half a million, 750000 They just want to take away something. And they're getting paid $30 million or whatever it might be, and they're making some money, and... That's all they care about. That's why I think this this war is more the IWC making it a war than it really is against AEW versus NXT. Even what, I, what I get, by the way, uh, Vince is getting a buck fifty, by the way, for NXT. I heard I read thirty million, but and you might be million. But I think it's uh, like I said. I think it's more them. Even Chris Jericho said that they're not at war. They need to just worry about themselves. They're brand new. So you're, you're a, you know, historically always been very pro WWE. 
Correct. To the point where you actually once blamed the crowd for being dead during an episode of Raw. I wasn't the only one, but go on. And I think as we've seen now, pretty much every crowd since then has been pretty dead. As, as, as a longtime WWE supporter, where do you see the state of WWE right now? The whole universe. The whole universe. It's funny. I like that. The whole universe. Okay. Um, I think, first off, let me go with the fans. I think there is a very big difference between AEW fans and WWE fans. I think the WWE fans are people older, our age, bringing their kids. While I think the AEW fans are those younger fans who want something different, who don't want PG. I think they're, the millennials are more geared towards how we were back in the 90s where they want something not PG, something a little more violent, something a little more rated R, if you will. And I think that's the disconnect that WWE is having is the whole fact that they are staying PG and they're not catering to the fans. They're catering to the corporate. And that's a huge problem that I WWE has too many masters to serve. And that's where their disconnect is with the fans. Now, as far as the product itself goes, overproduced. There's no connection between the superstars and the fans. Uh, most every superstar of the guys looks the same. If you were in a dimly lit room and you put Roman and McIntyre and uh, Elias and Rollins in there and turn the lights down, would you know the difference? Yeah, I hear you. Long black hair, beard or goatees, they all look the same. No one is different. Everyone wears black to the ring. There's nothing that stands out to make someone different, except for Bray Wyatt. He's different. And that's why he's getting over, because he is different. And as much as I used to support WWE, and they could do no wrong, and, and I stopped using the word Mark, because people take Mark with a negative tone. So I, my new term is WWE loyalist. I, right. used to be a, I used to be a very big WWE loyalist. Oh, we know. Be quiet. Let me get my point. <laughs> but times have changed. People have changed. I have changed. And I'm not a loyalist anymore because I can see what they're doing wrong. I'm not going to go on blind faith for WWE because they've burnt you too many times. They've burnt me too many times as a fan with the constant BS. So there's people out there that are pure WWE loyalists. They trash AEW, yet have never watched a single minute of it. There are some people out there who only liked AEW up to a week ago. And it's just, to me, it's just WWE is losing their audience because they don't care enough about the fans. And the fans, like customers in any business, is what makes your business. It's how you get make money. You keep messing them up, they're not going to come back. I work in fast food. If I keep messing up someone's order, they're not going to come back to my store. WWE, you, you're going to lose your fans. They're not going to come back if you keep giving us freaking Bray Wyatt Hell in a Cell matches. I disagree because, you know what, last week on SmackDown, they promised, what, Austin, Undertaker, Sting, none of which were there. And guess what? Everyone still tuned into the pay-per-view, they still tuned into Raw, and they still tuned in this week to SmackDown. It's almost like an abusive relationship. 
where it's like no matter how bad you get beat, you're still going to come back at the end of the day. You know, it, it's almost like, and they know it too, and that's why they treat us the way they treat us. They know, okay, yeah, you hate us so much, you'll be back next week. It's going to take a mass exodus for them to realize what they're doing. And I've said this before. I Honestly, Vince is out of touch with today's youth. How can a 73, 74-year-old man possibly know what a 18-year-old, 17-year-old is into? I mean, let's be real. You, it, it could get worse because, honestly, that guy is not going away anytime soon. He's going to die riding raw. Oh, yeah. It's going to happen for at least another 20 years the rate he's going. He's, so this guy, could be, this guy could be 85, 86 years old, still writing TV for all we know. Is it possible that the uh, the corporate structure of WWE can pull him out? No. From, no? Because no. he owns the majority, right? He is the one. That's it. End of story. Okay, well, for better or worse, this is where we're at. Um, I mean, a lot of people are blaming Paul Heyman for the state of Raw, but, you know, the bottom line is who calls the shots? In the yeah. end, who calls? There has not been one change of any sort on Raw since Heyman got there. And what's Eric Bischoff doing? I don't know if... I see, I want to contact someone and try to find out exactly what his job is. I mean, is he just a liaison between WWE and Fox? That's what or I is, heard. So he's got nothing to do with creative, that means. Yeah, from what I understand, they, went, they wanted his experience in dealing with you know TNT and TBS back in the day. Because I guess Vince McMahon doesn't have an experience dealing with television companies I, I i i don't know so apparently he's going to help them out with that because apparently vince never dealt with a tv company before so who's who's the head of creative for uh smackdown that means fox uh the same person who's been the creative head of WWE now going on 30 no, <laughs> six years you know what i mean because they say that paul Heyman's the you know in charge everyone blames paul Heyman if it's a good good or bad on raw Meanwhile, it's Vince making that final decision. But I meant, like, who's the executive producer or whatever title they, they gave I, Eric? Who's Stephanie. the real? Yeah? As far as I know, I think it's Stephanie. What do you think about how they did the draft tonight? Oh, God. Pointless. You know what would be a good way to do a draft? Don't even announce it. Just have it and let the guy show up. Meanwhile, I think I saw Caleb Braxton high-fying the Fox robot, just so you know. Jeez, that robot. Why the hell was the robot there? What, 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 seriously. It's I've never actually seen the robot anywhere else but on TV before. Like, that was the first time I saw the robot actually interacting with people. Right, because they, they, they just CGI'd him in. And, and I bet you're happy that freaking they got rid of all the picture-in-picture picture this week. I hated that shit. That split screen was annoying the shit out of me. They do it too much during AEW at times, I find. Yeah, I don't think they even did it this week during AEW, though. I think it was that first week, and then they st- everyone stopped doing it. I liked how NXT that first week had the uh, first 30 minutes commercial free. That actually was good. Yeah, I mean, they were trying. You knew they they knew they weren't they knew they weren't winning. There was no chance they could have had freaking I, I don't know Andre and Hogan come from 1986 and have a match for NXT. And they still weren't beating AEW. I don't know about that. That's pretty hot, though. So. <laughs> Let me ask this question, then. At its peak, NXT, could they have beaten AEW? I think two and a half years ago, they could have. I think they were that hot at the time. And they were that, I want to say, 
anti-WWE or underground, if you will, that I think they could have come a, a lot closer than they did for that first week. But right now, it's just, they don't, they don't have, the hottest act they have is Undisputed Era, in my opinion. That's their Four Horsemen-esque group. They've got all the titles, just like the Horsemen did. It's the top heels they have. I just don't think they have that superstar that they used to have. I mean, say what you will about Bailey and Sasha. They were putting on those matches that brought the fans in. I mean, I don't. they brought in Jushin Liger to the first show in Brooklyn. I don't think Jushin Liger would come to the NXT now. Yeah. So, I mean, all right, all right, one last question, and then we're going to wrap this up for tonight. Who do you see as the headliner this year for the Hall of Fame? Good question. I know who I heard the rumor is, but I'm curious who you think. I have no idea. Be. What do you got? NWO. I heard that they're Hogan, Hall, and Nash as the NWO are going in, and that's going to be your headliner. I mean, who else is left at this point to go in? <laughs> There's only one, and they're going to save them for a really bad year. The Rock. I forgot about that. Is Luger in? Nope. I assume he'll go in at some point. Yeah. We should we should think about going to Baltimore next month. What's the date? Uh, the ninth, the the eighth, or the ninth, the night of the pay per view for AEW. They're doing a very big, basically a WCW uh, nostalgia for Starcast. Sting's putting on the red, white, and blue makeup for the first time in 20-some-odd years with the big gold belt. Ron Simmons is going to be posing with the uh, WCW title that he won in Baltimore. I mean, I know it's a Saturday. It's a November 9th, I think. Probably be something to look into. I mean, I know someone who's only 45 minutes away and still won't go. He's such a huge WCW fan. (laughs) But, you know... Anyway, that's going to wrap us up tonight. Uh, I think we unpacked quite a lot. I mean, I know we didn't touch on everything, but, you know, the Wednesday Night War is upon us. We're going to keep going with that. WWE is going to keep uh, treating us that we need to go to a shelter. We're going to have to keep going to a shelter and asking, you know, when they ask, are you, do you feel like you're in an abusive relationship? The answer is going to be yes. And uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll keep going back for more. Yep. No matter what, we'll keep going back for more because WWE is this, is what we know. It's like so ingrained in us. It's just what we know. You just know it's Monday, and what are you going to do when you get home on Monday? You're going to turn on Raw. Like it does. It's like muscle memory. You don't even do it. Think about it. It just happens. Yeah, pretty much. It's funny. These last couple of weeks, it's been weird not having any wrestling on Tuesday because I was so used to SmackDown. It's nice to have that little break, but hey, Impact starts up in a couple of weeks. Yep. So uh, that's going to wrap it up today. I'm Brandon. Another good show. Another good show. We're going to, sorry about the uh, hiatus, but hopefully we're going to get our schedules back together and we're going to start cranking these things out. And maybe one day I can convince your brother to come on the show and he doesn't wuss out and I can call him out on on his BS. Uh, Hopefully soon. I like, I do like how the fact how you go radio silent with him. You just don't even bother. Yeah, I see he pissed you off yesterday. It was to the point like, you know what? 
You know, you're right. They're a failure. They're a failure. You're right. I just can't <laughs> listen to it anymore. He put, you finally pushed you to the point that you had to say something. So, I have, that's going to wrap it up for us. All right. Until next week, guys, keep your questions coming. All right. We'll talk to you soon, guys. Thanks.